welcome to the Wizard of Whiskey podcast, the podcast always dedicated to the hedonist lifestyle. Those who love to eat, drink, and smoke come here to understand what's going on in their industry. Uh, I am here with uh, Richard Stabile, um, of, uh, founder of Long Island Spirits. Uh, how are you doing today, Richard? Ah, terrific. Just got through Labor Day, beautiful weekend out here on the east end of Long Island. Fantastic. Um, so now tourism is going to jump off a little bit there then. Uh, no, actually, we are coming into our bu busy season. Uh, harvest is uh, uh, actually quite busy here, and actually our busiest month of the year is in uh, October. And, um, you know, we uh, we sit amongst about 60 uh, wineries here in the Bucolic North Fork of Long Island. And, um, uh you know, there's a due to our close proximity to New York City, we uh, you know we see a, quite a robust um, uh, agritourism business uh, sitting here amongst the wineries as well, and uh, many farm stands, and um, yeah. So we uh, you know we we're actually coming into our, our busiest time of the year. Uh, we, the, the summers are quite busy, but uh, a lot, lot a little bit busier in the uh, the fall. Wow, that is something I did not know. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, Long Island Spirits. So um, I, uh, I conceptualized the idea for Long Island Spirits um, probably sometime in the mid to late 90s. And um, uh, I've always, my family's always had a home here out on the North Fork for the summer. And um, we... Uh, I, I watched a lot of the potato fields um, turn into uh, vineyards and wineries out here and was always curious as to why no one was making a wonderful potato vodka here. Um, I'm a degreed electrical engineer and uh, I was on the business development side of things and I spent a lot of my time um, uh, managing a worldwide business development team and uh, I would be all over Asia, all over Europe and West Coast. One of my customers was uh, Lexmark in Lexington, Kentucky. So um, I'd be away a couple of weeks uh, at a clip, um, and during those periods, I would have a lot of free time on my hands. And some people go eat, see sports events, music, or go shopping. I uh, I got very uh, excited about looking into uh, uh, seeing the mechanics of winery uh, production. Uh, brewery production and especially distilling. So uh, I spent a lot of time in the northern part of Japan, all over Europe, and uh, I uh, just became enamored with it. And um, I uh, would uh, ask a lot of questions and just, um, you know, uh, wanted to um, just educate myself. So I became a lot very self-educated on uh, the whole distilling process and le learning a lot of best practices around the world. Okay, very cool. Yeah, and so with that, uh, about 2006, I um, decided to uh, uh, get out of the uh, high-tech world. I was uh, getting a little burnt out, and um, I uh, had put together a business development plan on um, starting a uh, distillery, and I um, had this found this beautiful building that backs up to about 100 acres of, of uh, potatoes and winter rye, and uh, um, it was a 100-year-old uh, horse barn that was in disrepair, and 
turn it into a uh, state-of-the-art uh, craft distillery. And um, it's got twin cupolas, and uh, we were fairly close to the Long Island Sound. And, um, yeah, it just uh, served as an ideal place to uh, for us to get going. Okay. Wow. Um are you ready to taste? It's a little early out here in California, um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, let's get going. I'm definitely gonna gonna enjoy this. Um, so, tell me a little bit about your 100% potato vodka. So, uh, when we decided, you know, the potato vodka was the inspiration for the distillery, and we obviously got into a lot of other spirits that we're gonna taste here today. But um, we uh, we spent a lot of time Long Island. Uh, uh, used to be covered with about 200,000 acres of potatoes. It was they started planting potatoes here about 350 years ago, and um, after World War II, uh, Long Island uh, started getting suburbanized, and uh, a lot of those potato fields have turned into uh, uh, residential communities. But the, out here on the North Fork of Long Island, there are still about five to 6,000 acres of potato fields that are still planted. And um, we looked for a specific type of potato. We use a, a white Marcy russet um, uh, round, which is about two inches in diameter, so there's more skin to fruit. And um, during the uh, distillation process, um, a lot of the fusel oils transfer over during the distillation. So uh, a lot of that creaminess is transferred over when we um, uh, distill them. Uh, we've got uh, twin Christian coral, um, uh, 650 liter pot stills, and uh, dual uh, 30 foot rectification columns with 19 plates. So we'll bring it up to about 196 proof before we blend down. Uh, but the flavor is very distinctive. You'll get um, uh, some uh, a wonderful mouthfeel. You'll get uh, some notes of banana, a little bit of citrus. Um, and uh, just that creamy, buttery feel on the back of the palate. Wow, that is that is exceptionally clean. Um, that is what you want in vodka. It's just this clean, crisp, kind of refreshing uh, feel. I don't, I don't understand the the movement of flavored vodkas. Yeah, um, no, I don't either. Uh, so okay, um, no, very well done. Um, very well done. Very clean. Very crisp. Um, um, a lot of times, um, and I'm sure you've seen quite a bit of this. Um, a lot of times, craft spirits uh, producers will produce a vodka because they know that they have to get something on market. Correct. Uh, to to build cash so that they can age whiskey or they can age you know something else. Um, and so they rush to get a vodka or a gin on the market, and it's. Uh, I've, I've tasted some amazing ones. Uh, I just got back, as you know, from a, from a northeast trip. I had 24 distilleries, um, and I tasted some great ones. And I also tasted, uh, over the past several, you know, five, ten years, I've, I've tasted some craft. Uh, but, uh, all right, let's uh, let's go on to uh, uh, the botanical dry gin. Now, you said it's 28 local and exotic botanicals. Yes, correct. So, actually, nine of them are... Um uh, distinctive to Long Island, uh, fruits and uh, vegetables. Um, we uh, um, and uh, we do a combination of uh, a 36-hour um, 
maceration, and then we have a gin ba- a, spe- a custom gin basket that uh, uh, we will distill um, some of the lighter, more floral uh, botanicals in. And um, yeah, we were we we're very very excited uh, the way this uh, turned out for us. It uh, um, you know basically uh, there's a lot of gins out there, but it's very rare that uh, people are actually making the neutral spirits that uh, form the base for their gin. So uh, this is also a potato-based gin, which uh, is unique unto its own. Um, we uh, it's all. Uh, done. Uh, we do about 100 six pack, 600 bottles at a time. Um, the uh, we got an exceptional write-up from uh, Paul Pocoult. Uh He commented um, uh, the aromatics reveal an intense base spirit with com- complex melange of botanicals, including ja- juniper, coriander, lavender, citrus zest, and lemongrass. Uh, palate is bold and assertive with sharp citrus zest notes in the lead with a viscous bed of decadent spirit. Um, so those were his tasting notes on uh, the spirit. And, um, yeah, I'm a huge gin fan, and we spent a lot of time um, playing around with uh, uh, a number of recipes. And our uh, Deep Wells small batch distilled uh, gin is a... Uh, uh, a lot of people um, come out with vodkas right away and then soon after a gin just because it's um, fast. But uh, we only released this last year, and we've been in business close to 10 years. So uh, it says something for uh, the uh, thought process that went into creating this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, instead of putting out a gin uh, just to build cash, put out a gin because you love to do it. That's that's the way to do it, Right. I think. Um well, well done. I definitely get a lot of floral. I get a lot of lavender. Um, of course, I get juniper. Um, little citrus peel. Yes. Really, really clean. Um, again, um, very nice. Yeah, thank so, you very much. So on to bourbon because uh, because why the hell not? Um, and it is it's it's Bourbon Heritage Month, so that's pretty cool. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk about your bourbon here. So um, about a year and a half ago, um, uh, we had been selling bourbon for a little bit, and um, Winebow, who is our national distributor, um, decided they wanted to take an investment in our brand. And um, uh, so both Rough Rider and our Pine Brand, Pine Barren single malts are. Um, uh, a 50-50 ownership project uh, with Winebow, so they own uh, the trademarks. So these, um, both both these products enjoy national distribution. And um, uh, when we started the distillery about 10 years ago, uh, because we're surrounded about uh, by 60 wineries or so, we wanted to come out with something that. Um, you know, we got approached to do after our vodka. We got approached to do a lot of private label brandies, and we've come out. We come out annually with, you know, for several of the wineries out here, a number of private label brandies. So, um, when we decided to co- go and do a bourbon, we did not want to try and out Kentucky, Kentucky, and come out with something that would be, um, 
judged against, uh, you know, Kentucky-style bourbon. We wanted to do something that uh, gave it a little bit of a different character. So we um, uh, do a secondary casking in high-proof brandy casks. So this is straight bourbon whiskey that matures for a minimum of two years in New American oak and uh, then enjoys a... uh, uh, a secondary casking in high-proof brandy casks. So basically, we will uh, rinse Merlot uh, and Chardonnay brandy casks, wine casks, with high-proof brandy and let them rest for another three or four months. And um, it, it really imparts a uh, just a well-rounded sweet flavor. You get that complex hint of uh, caramel, vanilla, and spice. And um, the finish is... Uh, savory and supple, and get some wonderful uh, heat on the back end. Uh, it is a high rye bourbon we start with, and um, uh, yeah, so I think uh, it's time for a little tasting. I think it's really nice. Um, a lot of the bourbons that I try um, are, are really over not necessarily overproofed, but they're just overbarreled. Mm-hmm. Um, Overall, and this yeah. one, I think, yeah. Um, I mean, they're overproofed too. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong; I love a good 160% uh, um, you know, 15-year-old uh, right. bourbon, but uh, I can only taste, you know, uh, yeah, a little bit of it. Yeah, too much fire, not enough flavor. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, no, it's 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 really killer. Um, like you said, soft. It's actually pretty pretty fruit forward, um, which which a lot of bourbons kind of lack. Um, yeah. Really yep. nice job. Ah, thank so. you very much. Yep. So, cask strength rye. Yes. So, um, you know, we're surrounded out here by about five or six thousand acres of potatoes, and uh, after they harvest the potatoes in early October. They need to plant a cover crop for the winter. So uh, rye is the cover crop for most of the potatoes out here. So there's an abundance of uh, winter rye. And um, the uh, that forms the base for our uh, uh, big stick uh, rye. And um, the... Uh, uh, we, with, with our rye, we actually use a champagne yeast during the fermentation process. Uh-huh. And uh, instead of a three-day normal fermentation, this is about a 12-day fermentation. And during that process, it releases a lot of the florals and esters. And um, uh, that really enhances the flo- flavor profile considerably. So uh, with, uh, with cask strength, I always like to... Um to nose it and then taste it. Yes. Um, just just as it is, and then dilute it just a little tiny bit with a right. half a drop of water. So it really came out amazing. The cast strength. Um, we uh, it's a hundred and um, twenty one proof. It uh, you'll get those spearmint notes, which is crazy great for a rye, uh, for a rye, and uh, it really doesn't taste what it is proofed at. Uh, you you would not think it would be 121 proof, but it will catch up with you. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely will. Um, <laughs> that's 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 really um, that's really nice. It's uh, it's rye spice 
with jam and it's it's really nice it's something that that a lot of people can't do very well um especially if they're using um other rise i mean you're using um printer y right so um which is it's softer but it's still got a lot of spice um no that's very nice um wow well well done and the big stick i'm assuming is teddy roosevelt yeah yeah so Pearl rough rider is uh pays homage to teddy date of long islander and when they disbanded the Rough Riders, they were at Montauk Point. So we're like kind of equidistant from uh, Sagamore Hill, which was the uh, summer White House during his uh, term as president, and the uh, Montauk Point, which is where the Rough Riders disbanded after uh, returning from San Juan Hill during the Spanish-American War. Nice. A lot of history up there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. In, the, in that area, so... All right. Um, so while we while we taste through the the Pine Barrens uh, Cherrywood smoked malt, let's talk a little bit about about farm distilling and specifically the Farm Distilling Act yes. um, that you guys have up there. Yes. Um, so um, yeah. So we are you know we're surrounded here by a, um, I actually sit <clears throat> as a board member of the Long Island Farm Bureau, which is the um, uh, Long Island chapter of the New York Farm Bureau, and uh, you know um, there is still you know people have a mental picture of Long Island as uh, you know just wall-to-wall suburbia, but uh, actually there's a point there's kind of three distinctive points on Long Island. There's suburban Long Island, then there's this swath of um, preserved land called the Pine Barrens, uh, which is about a hundred thousand acres of um, a preserve land that uh, serves serves as our recharge basin for uh, the water supply underneath Long Island, and then there's uh, agricultural Long Island. Uh, the Pine Barrens Preserve, uh, Long Island, has one of the most pure water sources underneath it. Uh, when it was formed about 21,000 years ago, uh, it was an outwash glacial plain, and as the waters receded. About 500 feet below, there was about uh, 300 feet in depth of water uh, that was um, uh, trapped there, and it's one of the purest, water, pristine water sources, and there's uh, virtually no iron in that water, so it makes a wonderful uh, blending whiskey for uh, blending water for whiskey, and uh, um, that uh, that's how we paid homage to Pine Barrens itself. We kind of sit on the edge of the Pine Barrens and uh, the beginning of uh, the Wine Trail, which is a very agricultural part of Long Island here. But uh, with respect to the, uh, the the new farm craft distillery laws, yes, uh, uh, the New York, um, uh, specifically Andrew Cuomo, has been extremely supportive uh, of all our activities out here on the East End of Long Island and throughout New York State in terms of uh, uh, promoting uh, not just craft distilling but craft beverages in uh, general and um, uh, the amendments to the laws and listening to uh, uh, all the uh, different voices in the craft distilling uh, community has uh, enabled us to uh, modify the laws uh, so it's a little more economically beneficial. Uh, We can, for example, do um, craft cocktails uh, at our places uh, sell by the sell by the bottle, 
and um, that really helps us showcase and uh, educate consumers on um, you know what makes smaller brands and specifically craft distilling and farm distilling products uh, so much special versus uh, you know typical um, mass-produced brands. Right. Okay. Um, I'm I'm out in California now. I I moved out here from Chicago less than a year ago, and it amazes me the difference between the East and the, and the West. California, you can't sell spirits right from the distillery. It just drives me nuts. Right. Um, and it makes no sense. And I wish the the rest of the country would take some cues from New York. I know you know uh, Nicole Austin. Um, you know, Ralph Lorenzo, um, Brian uh, McKenzie, you know, you guys, uh, about a half a dozen others were really instrumental in, in getting those those laws changed and working with, um, you know, Patterson and then now Cuomo right. uh, to to get uh, to get things done, and that's and that's great. That's the way it should be. Um, business should be easier to 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 do, not harder. Um, in my opinion. Um, Getting back to the to the cherrywood smoked malt, uh, that is some funky shit. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the genesis of our cherrywood smoke is the uh, we actually um, uh, the way it started was back in 2009. Um, I'm really good friends with uh, the founders of uh, Blue Point Brewery, which is a brewery out here on the east end of Long Island, uh, well, kind of the middle of Long Island, and um, it was like the middle of January, freezing cold, ugly Long Island winter, and they had made a thousand gallons of um, Old Howling Bastard, which is a barley wine, 10%, 70 IBU barley wine, and um, she calls me up, and I'm like, yeah, send it over, we'll distill it, and we'll see what it comes out like. So we distilled it. He didn't have a customer for this, so it was just going to just go bad. So um, we distilled it and then aged it in 10-gallon barrels. And um, about a year later, um, we checked it out. It just came out amazing. And um, we decided to productize it. And it uh, it uh, really um, just took on a life of its own. It uh, The original single malt... Um, which we continue to sell, uh, and uh, about a year and a half ago, we decided to um, do a product extension of our Pine Barrens and using the same methodology, but uh, instead of um, uh, using the regular malted barley, and what really makes that uh, different is we're actually brewing a craft beer that's been fully hopped. So uh, Blue Point um, recently, well, a couple of years ago, got a, was getting acquired by Anheuser-Busch, and, um, you know, they didn't really want to be involved in, you know, this uh, relationship, so we uh, uh, brew the beer actually here at the distillery just to distill it. So it's a fully hopped um, 70 IBU beer that we just brew to distill, and um, uh, it goes through a three-week fermentation, you know, so it's it comes out like a delicious beer before it goes in the stills. We're not using uh, malted barley wash um, that has just been uh, quick fermented and then um, uh, distilled. It's uh, just a totally different process. 
So um, that's what it makes unique. But what makes the cherry wood a little more unique is the malted barley smoked for three days over a cherry wood uh, fire. And um, it you absorb all the smoke into the malted barley, and it really uh, it conveys over during the distillation process. And uh, I think you picked that up on the, uh, the flavor profile. Yeah, it. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge smoked fan, uh, whether it's uh, smoked whiskey, smoked beer, um, cigars, whatever it is. Um, and uh, when I when I smelled it, it kind of took me back to um, roasting uh, roasting nuts. Um, right. Over over cherry wood. Um, you know, I grew up in the South, and, and um, it's a big barbecue town. So, so anytime I can get smoke flavor, um, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, pretty damn interesting. Um, so, well done. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, this little that's uh, really taken off for us. We're we're really excited about uh, that, as well as our whole Pine Barrens family. Very nice. Um, so now we have our sorbet. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is your island raspberry. Yes. Oh, yes. So uh, what we do there, so there's a lot of raspberries that are grown here on the east end of Long Island. And um, uh, so what we'll do is we'll use live potato vodka, and then we'll do a 30-day maceration of uh, the raspberries in the vodka. And... Um, just to add a little bit of pure cane sugar, we actually listed three ingredients that go into the spirit on the front label. And um, it really just de delivers an amazing fidelity to the original fruit. I mean, uh, we have five different types of sorbet. This is just one impression. But uh, the raspberry, it really, you know, if you close your eyes, you really just feel like you're experiencing real raspberry. And uh, they're great on the rocks with a little club soda or... Uh, they're a mixologist's favorite because uh, you really just you're ta uh, tasting the real fruit and not uh, chemicals. That's yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. I when you nose it, you get you get earth, you get raspberry. You don't get um, Jolly Rancher raspberry. Right. Um, right. Um, so you, so you don't get the extracted. You know, um, stuff that's out there. It's no, it's really, it's really well done. Um, as far as far as the nose, palate's really soft. Yeah, I can see, I can see plenty of mixologists using that and and some cocktails. Um, that's that's really nice. Um, well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, I'd like to thank Richard of uh, Long Island Spirits. I hope uh, they continue to grow uh, on Long Island and New York uh, when it comes to craft spirits. Uh, the state uh, seems to be leading the way. And uh, to those listening, uh, you can follow me on Wizard of Whiskey, now simply Wizard of Whiskey with an E. Um, like us on Facebook um, and check out uh, this podcast and the Grapevine Consulting <clears throat> at um, wizardofwhiskey.com or thegrapevineconsulting.com. Sante.